Good morning. Thank you for joining for the practice of being aware of awareness. Invite you to notice where attention is right now. What is it on? Before we try to yank it off, before the thought comes that maybe we're already doing it wrong, if that's the thought that's playing, we just notice attention is on something. And that can be noticed. It's all available to be seen right now. So if it's alive for you, maybe you now bring attention to sounds. The birds will help. We just allow attention to remain open. And we notice that this listening to the birds is a description of what's happening. It's not a doing. Bringing attention to this might feel like a doing, but the listening's happening automatically. The ears are functioning without any intention or attention from us. Ears are naturally open, available to life. The ears don't pick and choose the sounds that are gonna come in. just accept what life offers for as long as life offers it. And that may allow and promote and invite a resting back. behind mine that may for some time continue to produce a narrative about birds, about you, about this, about that. Mine doesn't really care what it talks about as long as we are listening.
So at some point, awareness can land on that movement of mind, on that thinking, on that inner chatter. And this little space opens up and actually fall behind it. Listen more to the birds, less to the mind. can notice this natural openness the ears are, that this faculty of hearing is. Sounds arise and they fall. There is nothing to do. Notice attention may wander down to the body or up to a thought, but that background of awareness is still taking in the birds. That background of awareness doesn't wander. There's a presence, there's an alertness. And we can notice that the sporadic bird sounds can be heard because they are heard against a background that is steady, that is stable, that is consistent.
again, there's, there's nothing to do. We can notice there's no doing. There's a noticing the bird sounds. And there's noticing that they rise and fall. But we don't have an experience of ourselves as rising and falling. In other words, when the, when the birds aren't chirping, we don't go away. We are the continuous, open field of awareness in which the sounds rise and fall. And we can notice the quality of the hearing, right? The openness. This openness is, is non-commenting. The hearing doesn't comment on what's heard. It just allows it in. If there's any commentary, we can notice it comes afterwards. You can watch as mind arises, literally watch the movement of mind. Or we can notice there's a lack of movement of mind. Whether mind is moving or not, just like whether the birds are chirping or not, it doesn't affect us. Our essence, what's always here, this open, empty, welcoming, non-judging, non-commenting, background of awareness. And we don't, we don't say we are awareness as a concept, as a teaching, as something we're trying to learn. We look at the evidence in our own experience right now. We use only direct referencing to what we know for ourselves. Nothing in us says, I am this particular bird sound, but I'm not this particular bird sound. 
but there may be a program that says, I am identified with this particular thought, but not so much this other particular thought. So there might be occasion to notice the contrast. can't let go of something we don't see. I don't think it works like that. So we actually want to see where there's some identification with thought or with emotion or with mood or with a character or with a me. We actually want to see that because that's the choice point. We can go deeper into the dream, run with it further, or we can stop right there get real curious and give our willingness to have that condition identification drop away. But no matter what we decide to do, the intelligence that we are knows we are never the content of what arises in this field of knowingness. We are always the context, the knowingness itself that knows the content. Believing we are a thought can certainly bring about the experience, but it cannot make it so. what's available during this time of being aware of awareness is differentiating between the content of what arises and what that content arises in, the context, the field, the knowingness. And how do we know we are the context? How do we know we are the field? How do we know that we are the knowingness, not what is known? Every time an object rises and falls, whether it's a bird sound, a thought, a feeling in the body, we can watch it. Everything that rises will eventually fall. We can confirm for ourselves, we're there before it arises. That next thought hasn't come yet. It will. We'll be there before, during it, and eventually that will fall away. 
and we can confirm in our direct experience, we are not only still here, we are in exactly the same condition that is open, alert, and available. We can confirm that we are unaffected. by the objects that arise, no matter what the object is. We are the alive, alert awareness, the context, the field in which all of it arises. No matter the content, we are the context that knows it. Field in which it arises, by which it's cognized, and out of which it dissolves. So put another way, we seek to discern one true self. Without limit, absolutely changeless. and rest in its embrace.
read a little Helen Hamilton. Again, this is chapter 14, being the contextual field. Consciousness can appear as form or formlessness. Consciousness can appear as form. Here comes some form. More formlessness. We could say that form arises out of formlessness. So maybe we do a little experiment with the form that arises on the inside of thought. Notice whether there's a thought now or no thought. So in other words, is consciousness appearing as form or formlessness? And then can we watch the form arise out of the formlessness? Can we watch the thought arise out of the no thought? The sound arise out of the soundless silence. Can we confirm that form arises out of formlessness? Helen writes, we know much about the form or the content of consciousness as this is the thingness that we know so well. We are taught to focus on the content of our awareness as a priority and to ignore totally the context. What does this mean in our experience? It means that we do not see our own capital S self is the contextual field 
and that what we think we are is actually the content of the field. So this notion of a me, of a you, of a person, is an object that arises in the field. It's not always present. It may be present quite often, but it's not constantly present the way the ears are constantly listening. It's an object that arises. How do we know? <laughs> Well, because we're the field and we see it. It can be quite uncomfortable. But that uncomfortableness is yet another content, another object that arises out of the formlessness, out of the field, out of the context. into form, into content. So consciousness can appear as form or formlessness. We could say that form arises out of formlessness. We know much about the form or the content of consciousness as this is the thingness that we know so well. We are taught to focus on the content of our awareness as a priority and to ignore totally the context. What does this mean in our experience? It means we do not see our own self is the contextual field. And that what we think we are is actually the content of the field.
So we allow attention to shift back. We notice that attention can shift back. I mean, that can be a really big scene. That attention can notice the content. It's good at that. But it can also notice the context. Attention can toggle 360. Mind can't look behind itself and see it's an object arising in an infinite field of knowing. But attention, the wandering arm of consciousness can turn back around. Attention can notice both the content of consciousness and the context, the constancy of the field in which all the content arises. So no matter what the content of the field is, the context is unaffected. It's the knowingness of it. And that knowingness is not affected by what it knows. The contextual field is unaffected by the content that arises. And that has enormous implications. For when identity starts to shift away from the content, I'm this thought. I'm that, I have to fix this thought. I have to fix this feeling. I have to fix this circumstance. I have to, now, when identification latches on to co the content, not even to jour, the moment, that's a whole, that's a, that's a, that's just an ongoing load of suffering, of agitation, of fixing energy uncomfortableness with oneself and with the other and with the world. When identity starts to shift back, to the one aspect of experience that's always present, which is the knowingness of the experience, the context, There is a natural effortless allowance, just like 
the ears, the hearing naturally allows every single sound to come and go, to emerge based on its own essence, its own karmic destiny, right? The hearing is non-interfering with the sounds that it hears. It is the context that allows all content. Similarly, what we are at our core, the contextual field, is not enhanced by content, it's not lessened by content, and it's not threatened by content. It will simply know the next arising or the know the falling away of the next arising. It just continues to know. And it knows that it knows. Contextual field is not inert and dead. It's alive and sentient. So as identity starts to shift back from the content to the contextual field in which the content arises, what's available is a resting. A peacefulness. A peace of mind. A contentedness. a relaxed, open, undefended, ongoing posture, the content. Because no content has ever affected the contextual field in which it arises, by which it is known, and in which it dissolves back into formlessness. Form doesn't threaten formlessness. So consciousness can appear as form or formlessness. We could say that form arises out of formlessness. We know much about form or the content of consciousness as this is the thingness that we know so well. 
we are taught to focus on the content of our awareness as a priority and totally ignore the context. What does this mean in our experience? It means that we do not see our own self is contextual field. No, what we, and that what we think we are is actually the content of the field. Helen writes, when we look for ourselves through self-inquiry, all we can find is the subtle feeling of I am here, but we cannot actually find a location to that self. So maybe we do a little self-inquiry right now. Like, who am I? There's a sense of an I here. Who is that? What is that? And as Helen says, it's the subtle feeling of I am here. So we just feel into that, that knowingness of existence, that self-awareness that sense of an I, a me. We, we literally like feel into the body. Helen has described it as like an energetic mass of belief. Sometimes I feel it like in the chest. This morning I happened to feel it in the belly. So that's the sense, sense of a me. And now I look more particularly, see it's locatable. If I can pin down, where is this separate me? This independent entity. And I look through the belly, there was a sense it was there, but I don't find any object in the belly, any independent me in the chest. So she writes, we begin to see that this I sense is actually the formless contextual field of seeing. Right, because when we look in the belly or the chest or wherever you had the sense of a you, when you looked, you didn't find an object, but it's also important to notice what you did find, you found like a live self-noticing space doesn't feel dead and empty, like a void. It feels alive and sentient and empty. 
So she says, we begin to see that this eye sense is actually the formless contextual field of seeing. The sense that I am here or I exist is simply the first content of the field that we are. The I thought. is simply the first content. This I thought's clearly not the context. It's an object. It may be very subtle, but it's not always here. It comes and it goes, it rises and it falls. It gets bigger and littler. So it's not context, it's content. And this sense, I am here, I exist, that sense she writes, is simply the first content of the field that we are. Thoughts are the first content that fills our field. By our very nature, we are more like a field of space than an object that has a location in time and space. Our body has a location and is affected by time and space. But we are not. We, the context, the contextual field of seeing, this inherent knowingness, that's not affected by time. We can check this out. We've had the same knowingness. Bring back your earliest memory. And then notice you're looking through these eyes of knowingness. You're looking from the field of seeing. It's the same scene that saw us in high school, in our 20s, in our 30s, in our 40s, and on and on. That aspect, the knowingness, the contextual field in which all this different content arrives, that knowingness, hasn't aged 20 years or 30 years. That knowingness hasn't put some weight on or taken some weight off. That knowingness doesn't have wrinkles. The knowingness doesn't have knees that ache when it's gonna rain. It's not affected by time. It's timeless. The awakening game that we're playing this week is to notice that this field of seeing 
timeless is the same field of seeing you saw when you were a kid, when you were a young adult. It's timeless. It hasn't aged. Time doesn't affect it. It's still this alert, open, available knowingness. So when we look for ourselves through self-inquiry, all we can find is the subtle feeling of I am here. But we cannot actually find a location of that self. We begin to see that this I sense is actually the formless contextual field of seeing. The self-knowingness aspect gives it this I flavor. That's actually a pure light of knowingness, the contextual field of seeing. The formless sentience. Sense that I am here or I exist is simply the first content, like when it goes all the way into a thought now, now we're to the I thought. The I thought, whether it's I'm here, I exist, I'm good, I'm bad, is simply the first content of the field that we are. Thoughts are the first content that fills our field. By our very nature, we are more like a field of space than an object that has a location in time and space. Our body has a location and is affected by time and space. But we are not. Helen writes, we can learn to refocus our attention on the field itself rather than on the thoughts occurring in it. We can put our awareness on the space that thoughts are appearing in rather than the thoughts themselves. When we do this, we begin to see that nothing could exist without this contextual field here first for it to appear in.
So are we identifying with the content or are we noticing the contextual field? Are we identifying with form or are we allowing attention to fall back on the formless and noticing that that's what's always here? And in fact, the form's always changing. It's the nature of form. That's a very dynamic arising. And it is seen by something that has never changed one bit in our entire existence. And the cool part is that we can confirm that. We can look through the mind's eye at memories. After being transfixed by the content, we can notice the context, the me sense that was there, that remembers, that noticed the whole thing happening. And the reason it's a memory is because I was there and I noticed it. I was the formlessness in which the form arose. And I am still that formlessness in which new form arises constantly. So we just gently and consistently re-identify with the true constant in our experience, in our knowingness, which is the knowingness itself. A formless contextual field of seeing. Helen writes, no thing could appear without this field of no thingness for it to arise in. Form relies on the formless for its existence. Without the formless contextual field, then no thought, emotion, event, or relationship could appear in it. Our bodies, which are solid objects, need this context, need the field to appear in and to sustain them, just as the clouds need the sky in which they appear. Content can only appear against the backdrop of context. Who are you? What are you? 
What's the most empirically accurate answer you can give? For what you are using only direct experience. Who are you? What are you? Where are you? When are you? That concludes our hour. <laughs>